1: Welcome to episode of One Ninety Five of Fourth and John. I have Gail Saunders here with Evan Hollywood Hearn and Mister Prime in the building. Uh, today we're going to talk about an article that came out by the Athletic. They, they kept it really spicy. Shout out to uh, Bo Wolf, Shil Capadia, and Zach Berman. These guys don't normally, you know, they don't they don't normally drop articles like this. And this is bombs. Two
2: months. Big time bombs.
1: Two months of research. Uh, by these guys. It wasn't just a, a flash in the pan type of article, but uh if, if you guys are not uh signed up to the athletic, check it out. This article was uh it speaks to something that we have uh already talked about this season. If you if you stuck with us over the season, we've kind of alluded to these kind of things. Uh this episode is entitled 195 Chaos Behind the Curtains. and, and, and another guy who famously had this quote uh chaos isn't a pit chaos is a ladder in terms of uh climbing that ladder we have a guy by the name of Howie Roseman who's been uh hand in hand with Jeffrey Lurie over his uh ownership you know 30 years he's on this team and Howie Roseman's been there a long time helping him guide him through everything uh we have won a Super Bowl so let's Let's all think about winning a Super Bowl. I think people tend to forget we won a Super Bowl. Have we? Have we? A, a lifetime ago. Um, once, but once you, upon a time. I mean, just instant reactions. Uh, we'll, we'll dig deeper into it, but your initial re- reactions after reading this article.
3: Dude, I mean obviously the uh, Twitter world uh the entire internet was sent into a tailspin after that article dropped uh it 's very like we 're right in the midst of draft season right now. a lot of our shows have been draft oriented that 's kind of where I anticipated a lot of our content during this time of the year to go towards. I did not expect an article like this to be dropped even though this is kind of like stuff that we already knew. This isn't a mystery that the Eagles organization has been a complete dumpster fire. Um, but when the article put it in descriptive terms and really laid out everything that was happening behind the curtain, so to speak, dude, it was, it was kind of jaw dropping just between, I don't want to call it nepotism. Cause I mean, Alec, um, he's not exactly, uh, Alec Haraby. He's not exactly, uh, related to Jeff Laurie, but he might as well be, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean this guy, this guy right here. <laughs>
1: hey, 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 hey.
3: Uh, he's he's making our decisions. I'm not I'm not saying uh, he's not them. a good guy. Some of them. Yeah. But he's he's a major <clears throat> player in the decision making factor. Um I'm not saying that he's not a smart guy, but he's definitely not a football guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I have cause for concern. That article really opened up my eyes a lot to what's going on here. I think we've got a lot to talk
2: about. Prime. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, we've been sitting on this information for a long time, but after reading this article today, I mean, the meme of like, wow, like mind blowing. I mean, holy shit balls! What the hell that I just got finished reading? I mean, we already know going into the season that it, it, the downfall we have to prepare ourselves for, but now it's like we don't have shit together at all after reading all this. Inside stuff about how things are being controlled in that complex. Oh man, we—I mean, Mark Farsetta said it best: "We are doomed." Like it's scary as shit to be an Eagles fan right now, reading all this shit, knowing that our management, our leaders to this organization, can't even get their shit together, and it's—it's—it's really upsetting, man.
1: I mean, like. If, you, if, if, if people have been listening, I've been there's one of the things that I had mentioned earlier this year that I heard from a player, uh, a former player of the Eagles. He said that he had never seen a GM or owner of a team medal as much as he saw from Howie Roseman and uh, Jeffrey Lurie. Um, and th- th- there's a quote in the article. Um you know it said uh describing how he says he is described as a loyal as loyal to his guys and willing to let those he trusts handle their jobs without meddling when it comes to uh you know doug Peterson you know did he actually trust Peterson the way that he should have a guy that you know was a there's a part in the article of, of him actually, them being on the fence about Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz being the guy. If the season went uh wrong <laughs> you direction,
2: yeah. you're like, word. Yeah, um, already had that in place. Absolutely, and
3: beyond that, just the the absolute distrust that existed um prior to Doug Peterson Super Bowl and even afterwards. Uh, it. Like the Tuesday, the, the, there was this talk about the Tuesday meetings that happened after every game day. And in the article, it, it lays out how that those Tuesday meetings, they never once happened over the 14-year tenure of Andy Reid uh, as a coach here. So once Doug came, it's almost like when Chip Kelly left, there were, there's all of a sudden there's absolutely no trust to be had in any head coaches that come into this building from that moment out. That's really what I took away from that. And just the, how it laid out how – even when Doug Peterson was doing well, even when Doug Peterson was winning games, they're sitting in there on a Tuesday meeting and berating him, telling him about what he's doing wrong still. I mean, put your, you, we all have jobs here. <laughs> Imagine if you're doing a good job, you end up winning a Super Bowl. You end up going to the highest level that you can go in your own job. And then you continue to have these meetings where uh, week after week, your boss wants to tell you about what you're doing wrong. It's like, I have achieved the unachievable. And you're still telling me about what I'm doing wrong. I mean, I understand Doug's frustration in that sense. Absolutely. Uh,
1: hey. Shout out to uh, Tim, Tim Brackton, uh, who's joining us for this pod. How are you? How, how did you, uh, Tim, did you read the article and how are you feeling? Instant reaction?
0: I mean, yes, I read the article. Um, I'm, I'm feeling exactly like everybody else is feeling. This is kind of something we already knew. Um, we kind of already knew there was some dysfunction in there based on the season that we had last season. Um, we've seen that, you know, leaks coming out, like everyone was just saying all the time, people not trusting each other in their own positions, not having the ability to just do what they have to do, come to work and do their job. Um, you got micromanagement from the, from the top people in the organization. I mean, this is what we got. Um, and and I think, I think it came after the Super Bowl when we had the expectation that this was going to be a yearly thing that this was going to be what Doug and Howie were going to bring to Philly every other season. We were going to be contenders and we were going to be in the running and we were going to be able to, you know, be a playoff team. And I think when that expectation hit the ceiling, it was everybody else, including Jeffrey, like, oh, we need to make sure that this guy is going to get us there, that this guy is doing everything that he can to get us there every season. And I think that that when you set that kind of bar and that expectation high and you come and you reel back the curtains and you start seeing, oh, man, things are starting to unfold, you start panicking. And when you start panicking is when all the things come out as far as news to the press, news to the fans and the media that shouldn't be getting out of the locker room. You have meetings every week with Doug Peterson, and he's feeling like he's being undermined when in reality that's the case. I mean, so – It's it's things that we already kind of knew as fans. I mean, this is coming out. If you're a Philly fan and you've been around this team for any amount of time, you've seen these things. I mean, we sat here all last season talking about this every week, the same exact thing. How is this getting out? Why is this coming out right now? We have so many other things going on for this kind of content to be getting leaked every single week. We're dealing with the same thing before a big game, divisional game. We got to hear some nonsense from the locker room that shouldn't be getting out on a Thursday. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: I, hey, it's I mean, funny. this is what it is. And it's I think he took
1: – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's funny in the article that how he speaks to – alludes to those leaks. And he was yes. like almost to the part where he was saying – he he wanted to check cell phone records yeah. as to yeah. where the leaks are coming from. So yeah. talk about yeah. a, a level of trust. paranoia
3: yeah. in, in that in that office total paranoia and the one thing that like when, when you put all of the pieces together there, there was another part of that article that drove me absolutely insane and that was the fact where it talked about Howie Roseman and the front office they're showing up to the, the war room on draft day with their own draft boards and kind of just disregarding everything that the scouting department had put together hey, throughout sad. the entire year and uh, th- there's one thing that I'm like okay that makes absolutely no sense why do we even have a scouting department if you guys are going to show up with your boards, And on top of that, let's layer in the fact that Howie is spending most of his time in this swirling paranoia, running around, checking people's cell phones and whatnot. What time does he have to be scouting players? He doesn't have any time. He's, He's busy running around trying to plug holes that he doesn't know where they exist. And then you just show up and say, I'm going to do things my own way. It's it's complete dictatorship
2: that's going on right now. It is. The one statement that I'm reading here, building that coalition and leading that group to work together in a constructive way is not how we strengthen. Then how the fuck is this guy still our GM? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. Numbers. It (laughs) it clearly says it's his weakness, (laughs) but you're still going to go ahead and let this dude run the team? Like, it's crazy.
3: Can I, uh, can I just get something off my chest as well? Because there's something that uh, I took away from that article that wasn't one of the major plot lines or anything like that, but it just kind of it made me sad inside. And it was talking about Jeffrey Lurie grooming his son, Julian, to eventually take over the team. And I'm just sitting here. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm 26 years old. I'm never going to know an Eagles team that isn't owned by the Lurie's in my entire life. That's what this feels like. Yeah. And uh, considering how they run the organization. Uh, I'm sorry to say that horrifies me.
1: Well, I mean, the, we, we, we got to think, right, right. You know, if put your if put your uh, shoes in Lurie's shoes at the moment. Say, if you were the owner, right, mm-hmm. and you made some moves that you know maybe the public doesn't know about. Like, you might be feeling yourself to the point where, like, if I was meddling as much as I have been in the last three years, yep, if we actually won a Super Bowl maybe they're they're feeling themselves in that capacity but uh, again again from a, a standpoint of losing your quarterback after you gave him all the 128 million uh the fact that you got rid of your super bowl uh winning head coach the one of the first ones here um and now we're on an island not a Revis island we are on the front office island they're on front street but i i feel like this is the perfect opportunity now like you know they say you gotta crawl before you walk again, and I think having Howie Roseman with that target solely on his back now, like it's it's all this is from 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 this moment on, it's the targets on him. It's been on him for a while, but one more bad season, a bad drafting, they they can't go on.
2: Like it, it's it's been mentioned clearly in this article as well that there was so much doubt, like. People are clearly like, holy cow, how do we even pull off that season to win that Super Bowl? Yeah. Like that is some crazy ass shit. To, stars to, to align, right? like, <laughs> yeah. And that's and
0: that's what I was just saying. Like as far as their expectation when they sat there on Broad Street, giving that speech talking about this was going to be an every season thing and that we were going to go back and we were going to be contenders every single year that put an expectation from Jeffrey and on Jeffrey to make sure that that's what he was producing, that the product that he was putting on the field was way better of a caliber than what we've been seeing for the last two seasons. And it's, and that's where the turmoil came in is him having this, you know, this cloud over him saying, Oh, yeah we're going to be contenders every year wait what's going on we're not contenders we have bodies falling everywhere we got thick dysfunction what's going on oh my god now I gotta pull back the reins a whole lot and be all deep dived into the dough and that's not the case just let the people do what they have to do potentially give Howie this season to do what he has to do you're probably going to give him next season because of the amount of draft picks that we have coming up in this next season so Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know where we're going to go with Howie because I know that Jeffrey Lurie is a Howie lover so he's not going to just bail on him after one bad draft season. I'm, I'm just one bad draft. I'm just I'm just not I'm not hearing it. I don't I don't I don't, I don't think that's going to happen.
3: I agree with you. I agree with you. And uh, just getting back to one thing that was brought up a little bit earlier in the show. We talked about how Jim Schwartz potentially was going to be. Uh, it was rumored that he would take over Doug Peterson uh, in 2017 if they got off to a slow start. Like that to me, that took me back to that 2017 season. I was discussing with this with Gail earlier. And I remember uh, that, I mean, like all of us, that that season is very vivid in my memory because of the way that it ended. And I remember the Gatorade dump on Doug Peterson after winning the first game. And I thought to myself in the moment when it happened, I was like, that was weird. Like (laughs) Dumping the Gatorade on the coach after one win, after the first regular season game, that didn't make any sense. But now that all this information has come out, and it seems like that probably, to me, was common knowledge in the locker room that Doug Peterson was really on thin ice, and that was a team that was rallying behind their coach and trying to kind of show the front office that, like, this is our guy. This is our guy, and, right, right. And, yeah. um, that, like, that, that really spoke volumes to me. And the fact that there's such that disconnect between the players and coaches and the front office. I, I, Gail, like, while I agree with you that, like, this is Howie Roseman's, like, make it a break it year. I, I also disagree because how many times have we said it before? How many times have we said before in years past that Howie Roseman has to get it right this year or else he's gone. I just don't see that. I, I right. think Howie he, Roseman is damn near invincible in this town. I mean,
1: he really has to mess things up. And I think we're mid halfway there. Like I, you cannot continue to mess up drafts and stack bad drafts. The fact that you have Ten draft picks in the last two years. We have eleven this year, but he has got to get it back on track. I mean, and the funny thing is, you you have this guy who is the you know Alex Hallaby, who, who's kind of Howie's right hand man. Is he's also Julian Lurie's friend from Harvard. <laughs>
3: I can't dude yeah. I can't believe You're that not. this man has been yeah. in the building since 2007.
1: Yeah. He looks, he looks like he's money. Does, he, does he get yeah. carded? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I remember him there's a there's actually a, a there's a draft video um and it speaks to it's, it's Spidero speaking to Alex and talking about his role within the uh you know being in the draft room what's it like and he kind of like gives you a behind the scenes of like like you know, he says, "I you know I've been there since 2010. I've watched how he work, and it's almost like you guys feel like Alex could be that guy that's being groomed to take." You know Howard's Howie job. job. Yeah. You know this, this is Julian Lur- Lur- Lurie's guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's a family. It almost feels like a family business over there.
3: And it's not something that should be. Pizza shops should be family businesses, yeah. not hey. NFL teams. But we do, we, <laughs> we
1: do, we do have a Super Bowl. We have to, we have to think about. It. We do have a Super Bowl, and I've been waiting my whole damn life. I mean, Evan, I know you're young enough. I don't, don't
3: want yeah. to discredit the Super Bowl. I, I mean, believe yeah, me. And, I'm thank, I'm thankful for it. I am.
1: And there's another part in the article, which was very interesting, you know, talking about uh, Brian Dawkins giving a, you know, infusing a speech uh, to the group <clears throat> and kind of like letting them know, you know, they're, they're, they can't be divided. Yeah, they have, stop they have that, to come stop together. that
2: inside yeah. fighting that's been going on. Yeah.
1: And then and then a guy like Dawkins, who you, you would think would be here for years. Like they would infuse him some way into this building besides.
2: He's he's an icon on the team. What
1: what what does that say?
2: Yeah. Anything? I mean, walking away after two years being in the position that he was in, it was just like, I agree with you. I'm thinking like, oh shit, Brian Dawkins is part of the coaching staff. You know what I mean? He's that inspiration that we need in that locker room. And then hearing that he's going to walk away in 2018, it's like, what the hell happened? You know what I mean? We didn't get no explanation, but again, reading this article, is like starting to answer a lot of these questions we had back then.
3: And he's not the only guy that's walked away from this team. Yeah. I mean, our, I was... our defensive coordinator <laughs> last year, he said he was going to take some time off. Uh, what do you know? He signed with the Titans.
2: Michael, yeah. brought up, Michael brought up a good point. I mean, back in 2017, they were even talking about getting rid of Frank Wright. And look, yeah. you know what I mean? That could have bit him in the ass. We probably would have never even had the Super Bowl. All right? Honestly. Because yeah. I still feel to this day that dude played a big part in that organization that year. All right. I mean, let's keep it 100. Yeah. That's just the thing. And it's just like knowing that they were about to make, get ready to make that decision. You probably would have never had an MVP caliber once that year as well. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's just like a lot, a lot of this shit is just playing a serious part right now.
3: Yeah. And, and they said in that article about how Doug Peterson stood up for Frank Reich and kind of put his foot down and wouldn't let him uh, be removed as the offensive exactly. coordinator. And yeah. it seems like that's exactly what was going on uh, when he got fired. He was, st- he was sticking up for Carson Walsh. You know, he was, he was trying to keep his own guys in the building and, like that's where I kind of teeter on both sides of the fence. Is that like <laughs> I, I think that those, I think those guys last year should have been gone. I think th- get, get your get your brother out of here, bro. <laughs> oh,
1: prime prime prime's uh, brother is in the building. Cowboy fan he says, "Go Cowboys!" Let's say all say together. Yeah, all right. Yeah, over over <laughs> my
2: side, right? you said I never even yeah. started the statement with that, bro. Now you yeah, gonna right. blow that one out of proportion. Yeah.
0: Way wrong thing to say. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but I, I just I simply think that um, like Doug Peterson, he, maybe he put his foot down uh, for the wrong people in this last instance. But <laughs> I agree with everything you just said, Prime. If he didn't put his foot down for Frank Reich, we might not have a Super Bowl. We might not yeah, have man. the Carson the Carson Wentz MVP esque season. Uh, that those could all just be things that just never happened. And hey, here, yeah. hey, here's
2: another here's here's another one. A puppet. You know what I mean? Hey, who's to say Nick Sirianni isn't going to be the next puppet? I mean, I, that's possible.
3: I think that's what they liked in him. That's I, he's, right. he's, he's, I mean, he, Sirianni was fielding no other yes, interviews. Yeah, a, a, all, a, that, yes. all
2: that, yeah. Let's go this route and all that stuff. That that looks just like them. Yeah. You, like, it's a, it's a shame. Well,
1: dude. I, before the se- before he got hired, I said they're looking for their Fisher Price head coach. You know, their first head coaching go- job. You put the training wheels on the side. You put some spinners on there and make it look good, but there they are training wheels. And, and if. This, if it,
2: this is this, my bad gal. This is okay. karma. This is karma hitting me because I'm the same one that shout out to my brother, but I'm always clowning him. Like, yo, your your um owner is always looking for a puppet. He always gets his puppet. Now we're the joke, you know. What I mean, here Jeff Laurie is playing uh that role on, on, on finding his puppet, and now now we're getting clowned.
1: Now, now Brian takes a spin on Facebook. He says uh, the article makes it sound like Lurie knows exactly what's going on. The past five drafts have been terrible. The roster is in shambles. We're in cap hell. Lurie's partially responsible for this. Now this is out of the, there for, for the fan base to see. If you're Lurie and you don't fire him now, will you ever? Because we're in a situation because of Lurie and Howie. They have been stacking up bad drafts for years. They've run almost everyone from the Super Bowl out of the building. It seems like we're
3: – I think it was too much text. Yeah,
2: Stuck? stuck? I was going to say, is that stuck? Stuck? Is that stuck? <laughs> is
0: that stuck? Yeah. That's what I was going with. I'm, I'm with you, Prime. We'll, we'll just say I'm
2: stuck. And, 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 and then, again, like, I mean, I know we mentioned this earlier, but it, that that's – that is definitely frustrating knowing that here we've been pushing as fans, like, yo, go get this guy, go draft this guy. And it seemed like they were almost there. They were almost there to go ahead and actually make a decision that us fans wanted. And then you decided to go with a whole different scheme with what, 30 seconds left on the clock before you have to go and choose a player? Like, what the fuck? Like. <laughs> oh man i'm trying to keep my cool man i think
1: i I just feel like there's a there's been a rift between the article talks about the rift between the scouting department and in the you know the the the, you know the front office and, and the coaching staff and trying to fit round pegs into square holes and it looks like that when you look at this 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 team and what they did last year um it it just shows you that they didn't know how to utilize the players correctly we're we're, we're we're watching our players and you're like why are you not utilizing them to their 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 best um abilities so i don't know man Michael, hey, you know, it,
2: it, go ahead bro no i'm just saying like i feel like we go back and forth back and forth because like in the very beginning of the article it was mentioned how peterson ended up coming into the games with a great game plan and here us fans looking outside of the box We were questioning some of his game plans. But in reality, it was the game plan that we as fans wanted. So the Green Bay game, 10-0 lead that they had on us. We switched it around going to a running game. And then I see that on these stupid-ass Tuesday meetings, they want to question him on, hey, why weren't you passing the ball a little bit more? What the fuck? The running was working, dude. So why question that? Then Buffalo, we were there. We saw the wins. How are you going to go ahead and try to have a passing game in that weather condition? All right. So they stuck with a game plan on running that damn ball down their throats. And we pulled off the win because we ran the ball like we were supposed to. And why question it,
3: it? And isn't it such a crazy dynamic that like, let's ultimately look at the backgrounds of the people that are questioning the coaches. We got Jeffrey Lurie, who is the owner of the team because he has money. He was he was a film producer, right? Not a real background in football. You got the analytics guy Alec Hallaby, who uh, you know doesn't look like he's ever thrown a football in his life. Harvard grad. Harvard grad. Harvard. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm not saying he's not a smart guy. He's obviously a smart guy. We're just talking his resume. Uh, Yeah. um,
0: There's no dirt in those fingers.
3: And then, and then you got Howie Roseman, who you know is another bean counter. Started off as an intern.
0: Started off as an intern. Started off as
3: an intern. So like these. These are the people that are sitting in these Tuesday meetings and questioning a football-minded person about what they're doing. Does that make any sense at all? At I mean, all, they,
0: they show you they show you the card. It's like it's like playing you know playing poker online. They show you the card because they're constantly bringing in po- football people to help out their organization. Constantly, every season we're getting another another veteran guy, front office guy, or football guy to come in here and help Howie before the draft we help helping through the draft. We got the Joe Douglases and all these other people who have come in here. And you're seeing why, because we have this dysfunction with people who have no clue what they're looking at actually on the field. No idea whatsoever.
1: That is spicy, man. The chat is spicy. And then you go, it goes back to Andrew Barry, um, who was here. He was hired by Howie Roseman to be the Eagles VP of football operations. Um, and he was kind of brought in to be the bridge. Uh, between the departments and it feels like you know he he left and uh you know he he left and then he's you know he he's uh goes to the the browns and they start flourishing you know you, you, you is there was there was he a guy that should have been kept here to be the next gm and now you know we, we don't have him in, in our in a presence anymore
3: Who, you mean john dorsey no, uh, Andrew Barry. Oh, Andrew Barry. I mean, are, are you saying is it possible that he felt the heat from the front office didn't fit in? Um,
1: I don't know, man. I I feel like <laughs> I feel like uh, I just feel like he probably is like I'm. I'm gonna hit the eject button and go somewhere where it's stable. Exactly. And that, you start yeah. thinking about like, um, you know, what's going on behind the scenes.
0: Is that not the front office mindset? I mean, we were just talking about how you have all these people who are, you know, considered outside of the Philadelphia organization to be great minds in football. And these gentlemen and and ladies are deciding to leave to go other places where they're feeling like they're more structured. They're feeling like and and that's all we keep hearing from the outside is that there is such a good culture here that this is a a players team and, and, and a great organization to be a part of. But in reality, that's just smoke and mirrors. Because every person who comes in here is like, "Wait, whoa, what's going on here? Let me haul tail out as quick as possible." Because there's a lot going on
2: here that we're not seeing. So yeah, er- everybody's starting to do a Frank Gore. Yeah, and
3: and can we not get caught up in the irony that Howie Roseman was ultra paranoid about leaks in the building when ultimately a lot of us were saying, "Like, where's all this dirt on Carson coming from?" Like when he was uh, being like shipped out of here, like when they were. Do- Getting that moved, get him over to Indy, and there was all that Carson trash talk that was escaping out of the building, and we were, we were kind of like sitting there, like, I wonder if Howie's putting this one out. Yeah, Isn't it's that kind of burner. ironic <laughs> that this guy is running around checking cell phone records and very yeah, well could
2: be the leak himself. The leak, right? Yeah, he's got a burner. He's he's, yeah. he's he's putting all this together in a burner and they're putting it out there.
3: And and you know what the horrifying thing is? I, I told you how I don't. Th- I think Howie's pretty much. Uh, Indestructible in in here. I think if uh, who was it? It's escaped my mind right now. Brian Colangelo. If 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 that burner sort of thing were to happen with Howie Roseman, I still think Howie would still be the GM after, the, after that got out.
0: He I mean, might pull, just get back to the basement. He might just get thrown back yeah. in the basement. He'll just get back,
3: back be to be the basement, and they'll yeah. be like, all right, we're just going to hide him for a year, then we'll bring him back out.
1: I mean, put, put respect on man's name. Executive of the year, bro. <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, I mean, he, he, he won that Super Bowl. We were like, yeah, executive of the year. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like how he is. He's, he's playing a game of chess, and he's, he's learned how to last this long. And it's just this idea of like you know Evan thinking that he's never going anywhere. Um, the fact that 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 this is more than just him being Howie the GM. This is more of being Howie the friend and the yeah. the, the, the shoulder to, to lean on and the the guy that I can tell you to draft Janelle when I want you to, and you'll sit. You will never give me any uh, any, any back lip or anything you want, Jay in the second round over DK shall we,
3: you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, like going back to what I said, like an NFL organization is not a family business. Like this is, it, it, these positions need to be filled by the most qualified people that you can find. And the fact that they're just handing out jobs to friends and sons, friends is alarming to me. And like, it's, that's not something that should be happening. Um, uh, excuse me for thinking that I think that there's probably more qualified people out there than uh, Jeffrey Laurie's son's best friend. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> What's your credentials, man? What's yeah, your credentials? <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted ahead. to get him a job as an intern on the team, and he and he were to work He's, his way
0: up, he, and, and he, he did,
1: he did work his way up from intern. I mean, yeah, yeah. But they they were in the in the in the in the so article, Howie, in yeah. the video with him talking to Spadaro about how he his rise to like how he come on we know how he ro- rose there yeah how he got there um very very interesting um listen because you're you're looking at that whole video interview and you're like really is that how you got there could could we have you know this whole idea of like some people hate the idea of analytics being part of football it, it is what it is and I think it's this whole Alex Hallaby talked about this whole moneyball idea. You're just mm-hmm. like you know, and then Howie Roseman being a big part of the whole analytics world. Yeah. Like he, he did like a whole um interview on um with uh who was at Penn after the Super Bowl and it mm-hmm. was based solely on analytics. Um so it was just interesting.
3: Yeah, dude. It's uh that that article ultimately, um, it didn't make me feel good about the team. Uh, it didn't make me feel good about the direction that we're heading, and it didn't really give me any hope that we're gonna uh, <laughs> dig, dig our way out of this situation. I mean, I I do believe that analytics does have a place uh, in sports. I think that it you know it's. There's a reason that other teams use it. Um, I think that it gives you information that, like, just looking at the, at plays and studying film uh, that you wouldn't see. But there's a fine line. They're like, you you need to have football minds in there and analytics guys, and they need to work together. There's no working together within this building, and that's ultimately where the problems lie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> spice the, the the chat is spicy tonight um a lot a lot of people are are saying uh tom from uh you know from uh youtube hey mm-hmm. look at the, look at look at tom's um photo right there does that is that your your trophy bear prime
2: no nah, i don't think so <laughs> <That> <laughs> sure about be, that yeah tom Not tom sure. is
1: tom goes to the, the uh he goes to the tailgate so hey he
2: might you know what that might that might have been mine yeah you're right yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, big fish, little boat. says anyone find the timing kind of interesting? Weeks before the draft, is Howie playing chess with Lurie over the draft? Howie with the blame no matter what.
3: How do How do you mean playing chess with Lurie? Because I kind of view them as uh, working,
2: being on the same, yeah. same work, team, yeah. Yeah. the same team. Team, yeah, same team.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I think they're they're in each other's back pocket. I really don't think that there's any um like Howie's going to overthrow Jeff or Jeff's going to go behind Howie's back. I don't think that happens. I think that those two are connected at the hip. Yeah, it, it's I funny
0: totally that agree.
1: that part of the article where it, it speaks about um Lurie being you know out in Hollywood and he's got a he's got the surround sound with tvs watching the, all the different bowl games yeah. and like
2: Senior your bowl japan bowl all that <laughs> stuff yeah. yeah being a
1: being a, be, being a draftaholic and him being like you know we we, we look at Jer- jeffrey lurie as like this owner of the team but do we look at jeffrey lurie as this you know draft nerd like you know some of us draft nerds are like yeah we love our product he, yeah. but he, he's in real life like i can draft this person in the second round. Exactly. You know what?
3: You know what a very loose analogy to that would be? Is it like, if I'm a guy with a ton of money and I can go, I, I've, i say I've never swung a golf club in my life, but I go down. I, uh, I, I'm, I hang out with the riches. I get to know Tiger woods. I get the best golf clubs I can possibly find. I go play with him. Does that make me good? Does that make me qualified to play with Tiger woods? Just cause I can hang out with them, talk with them. And I have the same equipment as him. No.
2: Sign Done. me up for the masters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll I tell do. you what though, man, after reading this too, it's like this this show, this opportunity is the only thing that salvages Tuesdays. Because now knowing about their Tuesday meetings, I can't stand Tuesdays for shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I can't I could I could I could imagine I, like um Peterson going into these meetings like, bro, like, bro, like, yeah, like well, I'm really I'm really doing this. Yeah. Like, I remember crazy. In, I remember in college we had to wake up on Monday at like 4 a.m. to watch film and be just dreading that day so bad but imagine being in a office with like you're a football guy and you're sitting in there with non-football guys and they're hitting you with hey Alex bring up the analytics let's talk about it and Doug's like you know you, you see him in these pressers and he's just he looks he looks confused he looks like he doesn't want to be here.
3: We didn't start seeing that until last season. Do you th- do you think that Doug Peterson going for it so consistently on fourth down was a product of analytics or a product of him and his coaching style? <laughs> I'm being I'm being serious. Like, do you think that that was Doug Peterson's coaching style, or do you think that that was like the analytics and they were trying to push him to go for it on fourth one?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say it was the analytics. Yeah, <laughs> i gonna it- go with the
3: analytics.
1: What if he was like, screw your analytics. I'm just gonna keep going for it. And they're like, Doug, I'm gonna kill you. Wait till I see you. Mm-hmm.
2: Because then if, if that would have been the case, then the manship would have been fired halfway through the season. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. yeah. I, it's it, again, you get a lot of mixed emotions just reading back and forth shit. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, again, like now you, you question was the relationship between Peterson and Wentz really dysfunctional? You know what I mean? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, you know what I mean? They, they had each other's back. Peterson had confidence to go ahead and give Wentz another try and give him a fresh start. But, you know what I mean, clearly it says here in the article they didn't want to go that, that route. They wanted to go ahead and maximize the draft compensations. you know what I mean, for 2022 and beyond. You know what I mean? So it's like, again, now we're back to what was the truth behind this whole shit.
1: Yeah. And there's a, a comment by Mark. He says here, coaches talk to other coaches. No one is going to want to come to Philly till Howie is gone. And um, what, shout out to uh, Luke Stansfield. He, you know, there this is had got out. This is how he got information. And, you know, he posted an article about how he, uh, about um, Doug, Doug Peterson. Peterson wanting to step down at the end of the season. And this is um, intel from, you know, other teams that he came across this information. And that's what he wrote the article about. And that was like
3: week 12 or week 13, too. That it was, was way, be- I mean, yeah, it was yeah. way before anyone would
1: even think about Doug Peterson wanting to step away. And when it comes down to you read that article, I mean, it kind of just really just gives you a roadmap to like how things were getting messed up. Um, There was the comment earlier from um, I believe Michael um, talking about, do you, now do you guys fault Carson went to wanting to lead the situation?
3: Um, No, but the dude is uh, you know, I, 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 every day that passes that Carson isn't on the team. I, uh, I, I like kind of, just get over it a little bit more I, i'm i'm kind of i'm over carson at this point I'm, I'm ready to move forward with the Jalen Hurts era uh i was just tw- tweeting earlier today I, r- I really wish out of spite that Jalen Hurts would have taken number 11 when he did the jersey switch just 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 for the spite of it
0: just to make it <laughs> a little spicy well,
3: i mean carson took two just just go right back at him take 11 yeah, I thought, i'll tell I, you I, what you that would have been hilarious
2: one? just go get one made put 11 on it put hurts on the back of it
3: Be great. call it a day. Be great. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, but to answer your question I can't really fault Carson for wanting to get out of here. It's completely dysfunctional. Um I would want a fresh start as well. I mean yeah. think
1: about it. B Doc left, right? Yeah. You know, Trey Thomas was a coach here. He left. Um you know, Chip Kelly didn't get along with how he put him in, on the other side of the building. Not a football guy. Um you you think about lurry taking over and taking control 53 angry men and one angry gm taking control and then two years two years later they get to this you know opportunity and flip the script with the super bowl team i think that i you know a lot of people in the comments have made mention. just like they probably got full of themselves after that moment they're just like you know what if we can do it again but a lot of picks were made man there were a lot of free agents that were brought on to that team made perfect sense i felt like um I think with Joe Douglas's guidance, they picked some of the right guys to fit. Um, they still didn't get the right guys in here uh, draft-wise. But, again, like, you look at that 2017 draft of all those guys that were draft, those running backs, all of them, uh, you're going to tell me you couldn't have landed any of those guys? That's that's absurd, bro. Like That is so absurd to me that, like, you couldn't have picked out any of those running backs. Uh, I'm still shell-shocked, you yeah. know?
3: Yeah coming from there. a
1: scouting group.
3: Yeah. But that's yeah. uh, you know, whose draft board were they using? Were they using the front offices draft board or were they using the scouting departments? Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I, you was, like, I was like, I was like, I just question. got
1: off uh, draft network, uh, and I, I just I just he's finished got, my mock. He's
3: got five stars. He's got yeah, five stars. He's got five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I got
1: a B plus for this 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 guy in my in my mock, in on, my mock. Uh, <laughs> on PFF. So that's that's come on, man. That's it really does speak to you know a lot of the misses. I I'd, I I'd, I'd, I'd feel a certain way, man. If I was in the scouting department, you know, like my I'm I'm going elsewhere. Like, and look at Lewis Riddick. You've seen Lewis Riddick speak on the timeline, and he'll he'll throw darts if you if you're paying attention. When anything bad goes on in Philly, he'll throw something out there on the timeline. You're like, yeah, he's speaking to
3: what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you know, because he's he. I think I think I think a guy like Lewis Riddick would be nice. It will be a nice change. You think that ever happened?
3: Not while, ha- like, no, because <laughs> no, I I don't think Howie's going anywhere. I think, uh, like, as much as I would love Lewis Riddick, I think he's a great uh, football guy. I think he's a guy that can solve our problems. No. Uh, I
0: don't know. I, it's
3: not what people want to hear, man. I'm I'm, I'm I'm, just telling you what I think no, is the truth. It's, it's the truth. I, it I is I'm the totally truth. agree
0: with you. I'm in totally yeah. agreeance. I, I, I do not think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think that Jeffrey wants to let him go anywhere anytime soon. And I don't think that, I mean, he has, he has full control. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if you're coming to Philly as a coach or as any kind of personnel, front office person, you know that Howie Roseman has full control of this organization. I mean, there's no other way to put it. We can sugarcoat it however we want. But you, I, I watched a, a video about Trey from uh, interview with Trey Burton the other day, talking about where he was making a comment saying that Howie Roseman has all the control. He's one hundred fifty percent the man in Philly. So yeah. if that's the case, and you have a foreign player coming out and saying that about your organization, like you said earlier, what is that telling to the rest of the coaches and the front office personnel across the league? Is that letting them know they get in a warm and fuzzy to come interview for for the Eagles? No. Mm-hmm. So uh, until he's gone. There's not going to be any kind of changes. It's just going to be them trying to plug and play and get people in that are going to fit with Howie and gel with Howie and make sure that everything is good with Howie because that's Jeffrey's dude.
3: I think I think ultimately what it comes down to is Jeff. Jeff is, is love blind. Like he loves Howie Roseman. Uh, and he just can't see Howie Roseman being the fault for anything. No. he just he, he, That's his guy. That's his best friend. They talk, it talks about how the relationship in that article, it says it's more think, than I, just a, a working relationship. They're actually really good friends. I think it's it's as simple as that, is that you can't like I, – I just can't possibly think that Howie could do anything wrong. I think, I think you know, that's I think
2: what's think going Jeff on. Sure. I think Jeff yeah. will blame his wife before he blames Howie. Exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. It
1: yeah. Yeah, might be his uh, third wife, you know. <laughs> You know, imagine uh, Lurie's like, "Hey, uh, Howie, you want to run some Warzone later? <laughs> Get on the sticks, you know.
0: Get your son uh,
1: Julian on there. We'll, you know, we'll call up Alex. Yeah. You know, four, we need four people anyway. Let's <laughs> like, what is that relationship like? And if that ever happened, that would that would be like a, a monumental moment in like Philadelphia sports history. Like them parting ways, that would be pretty huge. I think." Um, another part in the article that spoke to um you know you know, you know Andy Reed I feel like Andy Reid was a a guy who was you know had control mm-hmm. and I think he's probably one of the last guys after he left,
3: I'm telling you, it's Chip Kelly is the is the is the source of the problem here, right? And once then you Chip got to, Kelly took over control, absolutely. they were like, that's not happening again. Absolutely, that, that went.
1: I think Chip Kelly put it over the mark. They're like, no, no, no. He was way extreme football guy, and we got, we got, we got our, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he had to come out with t-shirts that against against mm-hmm. New England that game, mm-hmm. you know, to make a statement. That was a wild ride this season, because we we when, when Chip first got here, we were like, "Yo, the speed, like Yo, that, this first, was game, that first, this first game, game yeah, that yeah, first everybody. game, we were I sold, man, first we were sold.
2: Everybody was Jeez, sold.
0: After we were that sold. It's
2: like we're we're gonna score fifty we points sold. a game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Ooh. nobody was sitting down that
0: game. Oh man." It went downhill too- quick. That shit got found <laughs> out quick, didn't it? <laughs> went downhill <laughs> real quick, real quick.
3: Yeah, man. <clears throat> you mean you can't string together the same six plays every week and expect success?
0: I mean, I think I, and I, I think that's like you said. It's the it's the Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, that transition because he was so used. Jeffrey, i speaking. He was so used to the consistent winning. From Andy. You had decades of winning where Philly was a landmark. You had best coaches here. You know, the coaching tree from Andy Reid was crazy, pumping out every coaches every other season. You had great players that were here for a long period of time. You had success here with Andy. So there was this huge comfort zone. You know, Jeffrey was making money. The city was going crazy. It was great. And then when you left him and you guys separated, you were like, oh, you know what? I'm going to pick somebody who's completely opposite of you. And I'm going to go with Chip Kelly. And when that backfired, oh man, Jeffy was like a lost puppy dog in the woods, just yep. trying to find his way home. That's all and, he wanted to do. And you're and exactly he's not, right. He's not moving off that front porch. Once he, once he found his home and he left and he went back to his house, he's not moving outside. He's got COVID. He's staying in quarantine. He's good.
1: <laughs> now, Brian Bri K. Matt over here, or Brick Matt says, uh, no wonder Jer- Daniel Jeremiah left. He was offered a, a gig here, and Daniel's like, I'm good at NFL Network. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I'll be doing my next. He's making a lot of money at there though too. So I mean let's let's not let's not put that aside. I mean NFL Network is paying Daniel Jeremiah a a nice little penny. So think
1: about it that that you're on the road to being a GM. That's like everyone's dream job to be a GM. Like you know maybe maybe he knew the writing was on the wall. Um, The funny thing is like if 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 uh, Doug Peterson had that Press Taylor moment where I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put Press Taylor and he he gets he gets let, let go. Mm-hmm. And if Andy Reid had a moment, he's like, "Screw you guys! I'm gonna put Juan Castillo at defensive uh, coordinator."
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: like, are those moments like one of those f u moments where they're just like i u? I'm gonna do whatever I want, you know?
3: That's possible. Yeah. You know, yeah. now that I'm sitting here that, thinking yeah. about it, I'm like, was that a f u moment to the front office? Like, I just, crap. I just can't imagine that Andy Reed's time here was ever really as bad as Doug Peterson's time. I don't think that the relationship strain, because I think that Andy somewhat left on good terms. I think that like everyone kind of felt the same way that Andy Reed, when he left, he's a good coach. It's just his time here was up. And I agree with you in the fact that like Howie and uh, Jeff Laurie got so use, uh, used to after, you know, decade and a half with Andy Reid that he was like they didn't have anything to worry about Andy Reid had it under control and so when Chip Kelly came in here he seemed like a guy that was really smart and they just figured it they were like I mean the last guy he was able to just hold everything down why shouldn't a head coach be able to hold things down I think that's how they viewed it and then things started to go sideways and that's where they stepped in and had to uh you know start making drastic moves
1: talk about drastic moves uh they're gonna have to make draft drastic moves on draft night uh just want to give a shout out to uh you know the crew we're going to be doing a, a live stream if you guys are, haven't noticed yet we will be doing a live stream for all three days so if you guys are want to jump on the show give us your draft takes and be a part of the show we're, we're happy to have you uh that's where we met mr tim bragton last year He jumped on the draft show. Um, He's going to be joining us for some of these shows and some of our live content, Uh, man. Are you guys, are you excited, man? Like, are you guys getting the juices going? Is it, or are you towards the end of
3: your draft studies? An article like this is not going to get me not excited for the draft. I'm still pumped, bro. I'm very excited to see who the Eagles are going to be scooping up. I mean, You know, obviously, I have my concerns because of who's picking, but ultimately, I'm going in with high hopes, optimism, and I'm uh, I'm hoping that we get it right. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely.
3: Well, we had
1: a we had we already looked at who we had a a podcast about who we're picking at number twelve. We looked at uh, we had a podcast about picking in uh, day two and three. We will be having a day three uh day three of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, um, that
3: that second podcast was just rounds two and three, not day
1: three. Two and three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rounds two and three. But day three where all the gems, guys like Jason Kelsey were found. Who else? Uh Jalen Mills were found. I think it's mm-hmm. I did a mock draft last night. It was kind of interesting.
3: Oh yeah? Right.
1: I had a, Elijah um was it Elijah Mitchell? Running back. Um oh, yeah? back end uh, trying to get a DJ Daniel, maybe.
3: You know, mm-hmm. wouldn't mind a DJ Daniel, yeah, Georgia,
1: yeah. Georgia,
3: That'd um, be
1: nice
0: pedigree,
3: but uh,
1: final thoughts before we get out of here, I know uh, this was kind of like a, a impromptu uh, podcast, but we just wanted to talk about this article since everyone was talking about it.
3: I, oh. I, I, I want to give a PSA out there to Alec uh, Hallaby. I just want to say, yo, Alec. Uh, say to his face. Wait, say to his face. I, I'll say to <laughs> his face. Alec, I, I want you to go and check the analytics about when Vince Young said dream team. What was the reaction? Ooh. Give me the analytics on the reaction to that. And then why you allowed Howie Roseman to say something as stupid as <laughs> quarterback factory last year. Did you get the analytics on that? Did you, Alec?
1: <laughs> oh, man. yo, yo! He got so mad he froze.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> hey man, we got We we got a new sheriff in town, and his name is Negan. <laughs> uh, don't mess with him. He's got. I think the I think the bat, which his name is named Lucille. Lucille, could be, yeah, could Lucille. Be, that the bat could be named Howie because that's ah. that's that's uh Lurie's bat. It yeah. definitely yeah. could be. Yeah, you know, he he does the dirty work. You know, the bat um, carries it everywhere he goes. <laughs>
0: um, bashman coaches' heads with meetings. Yeah. yeah.
1: Possibly. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't
3: he's, know. He's not swinging it like Birdman. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Birdman, very violent. Shout out to Birdman from the West Coast. Yes. Uh, represent always to the fullest. Uh, Prime, any last words before we get out of here?
2: Uh, 16 more days till draft day. I mean – just, lo- just excited, again, like Evan mentioned, to see what we're going to go ahead and do. Um, hoping that we could just go ahead and make some right choices come that day. Uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to go ahead and having the live stream, uh, you know what I mean, start building up this uh, excitement work a little bit of excitement amongst ourselves. I mean, going
1: you got to be excited. You got to be excited. Yeah, even man. if even if you know the guy who's picking it might not make you excited. The draft is always exciting. <laughs> hey, it's, it's the beginning of a
2: new book, man. It's a whole yeah. new book. <laughs> a new, yeah, definitely.
3: Is the, a whole uh, new book. is the Wentz fathead still on the wall?
2: The Wentz fathead is still on the wall, man. All right. it's. Let me have my moment. You might have up, up on him. I got you. And yes, eventually, no matter what, got to move on from him. He's dead. Well, there. you know, what I mean, He's still there. He's still there. <laughs> all right,
1: fall back, but <laughs> Timmy, Timmy, last words.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, as far as the article goes, I mean, it was nothing that, you know, I already hadn't thought of or already hadn't assumed um, with a little bit of knowledge that we got released to us. <laughs> um, we kind of put the pieces together already and kind of seeing, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. If you were a Philly fan. Um, as far as the draft, I just can't wait. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm tired of doing the mock draft. I'm tired of seeing everybody's picks. I, I don't care anymore. I just want to get to it. Let's get it. Let's get it going. I don't, I don't care what Daniel Jeremiah 11.0. I don't care. No, I don't want to see that mock draft. I'm I'm tired of it. Yes. Yeah, we know. I'm tired. I'm tired. Give me the, the reality. reality. Too, yeah, hey, We know Trevor Lawrence is going number one. I'm tired of seeing it again. I don't want to hear. If I hear
2: another mock draft. Just
0: I'm let from, me get I'm it. I mean, I'm done. They, they, uh, they, they, you know, I think it's, I think we're all at that point, you know, as, as NFL enthusiasts and NFL fans. I mean, I think we're all at the point. We're following it. We're waiting for it. We've watched the pro days. We've seen everything. We've watched the interviews. I mean, we know just as much information as they do at this point. I mean, so I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's get it in. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Um, Yes, sir, man. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be doing another podcast on day three potential targets that'll be coming up soon. Another potential, not another potential, another podcast that we'll be doing. Uh, I don't know if Evan wants to break the news here.
3: Yeah, we got a. Uh, we have the Super Bowl champion. Uh, we, got, we got we got Rick Lovato jumping on this Thursday. Uh, really looking forward to that interview. Trying to you know get get some inside information. I'm sure he can't spill <laughs> all the beans, uh, but we're gonna see what we can pull out of him. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that interview.
1: Yeah, Rick 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 Lovato. If, if none of you know, he's a hometown guy. Man, he yep. grew up around this yep. in this area, so Just it's cool dad, to
3: temples. Mom went the Rowan, yeah. To rowing, yeah.
1: Yeah, another Temple grad. Shout out to Evan for graduating from Temple and Timmy, Temple yes. as well. Yes, Temple sir. in the house. Yeah, Temple man. In the house. Yes, sir. But uh, I guess that's all for us, man. Good, good times talking. Great, man. Hey, thanks hey. for
0: having me on, guys. Again,
3: thanks hey, for coming on, man. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for coming on, bro.
0: Appreciate it, man.
3: Doors always open.
1: Hey, hey, the chaos isn't that bad. Okay, <laughs> we we took you behind the curtain. Let, let's let's be a little bit optimistic. Uh, it's hurt season. Let's let's hopefully the uh, we're not hurting after the draft when they pick up these draft picks. Okay, Uh, but for me and the guys, we'll see you guys the next one. And as always, fly. fly.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun.